Um, this morning, um, we have been, over this last little series, over the last couple of months, been looking at faith, hope and love, but primarily been looking at faith and hope so far, and it went better to look at love than on Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day to you all, uh, wherever you are, um, and um, I thought it would be worthwhile just looking at love today, and how do we love wholeheartedly? Um, is the question that I want us to ask and to look at for a little bit this morning. In 1 Corinthians 13, we see um, this very famous passage that says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonour others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And Paul here, who's writing to the Corinthians, is talking about how love is right at the centre of everything. And um, he talks about, you know, we can do all these amazing things, we can prophesy, and we can do all these incredible things, but if we haven't got love, we're nothing Love is right at the centre of what it means to look like God. What it, love is right at the centre of what it means to fulfil the humanity that we are created with. We are created for love. And there's a reason for that. Uh, because in 1 John chapter 4, we see this passage and John is uh, writing, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Quite the statement there from John. What John is saying there is, to whatever extent we are able to experience love or express love, we are able to experience God or express God. In um, Les Mis, um, there is this quote um, that says, to, to love another person is to see the face of God. Even in the act of love or the experience of love we encounter what God is like because God is love so I'm just going to grab a little drink Um, because God is love it doesn't say God loves or God is one of the expressions of love or 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 anything like it. it doesn't say that God is someone who is capable of love it says God is love. When we encounter love, when we experience love, when we express love, when we are able to love, we, in, to some extent, encounter God. We grow in our understanding of what God is like. God is, in essence, love. It is quite a bold statement. And so we are called to love. But we have a problem. We have a problem. We are living in a society that is more and more connected and more and more disconnected. We are living in a society that um, 
is advancing in all sorts of ways. And yet we are living in a crisis. We are living in a crisis of scarcity. We are living in a crisis of lack. We are living in a crisis of not enough. And you might have heard me talk before about these surveys that were done where they asked um, people, Americans who were earning $250,000 a year, whether they felt like they were high earners, and 30% said they weren't. And then they asked millionaires whether they felt like they were rich, and 40% of millionaires said no, they didn't feel like they were rich. And then they asked multimillionaires who had $25 million to $2 billion whether they felt like they were financially secure. And over 50% said they didn't feel like they were financially secure. And then the, the... The bomb hits when they go, okay, so how much more would you need to be financially secure? And almost without exception, the answer were somewhere around 20 to 25% more. Which is interesting because if you've got 25 million and you're only 20% away from having enough, well, you're only 5 million away from having enough. And then you've got 30 million and now you're 6 million away from having enough. All the way up to when you've got two billion, and now you're 400 million pounds away from having enough. You see, the more we have, the further away from enough we are. Because enough isn't a figure, enough is an attitude. And enough is an attitude that will liberate us. We're living in this crisis of not enough. And we are being told all the time. That we're not enough. We're being told all the time that we're, we're not rich enough or we're not popular enough or we're not beautiful enough. We're not successful enough. We're not happy enough. We're not smart enough. We're not safe enough. We're not powerful enough. Maybe we're not relevant enough or we're not spiritual enough or we're not certain enough or we're not perfect enough or we're not good enough. These messages that are coming at us from our society all the time, these, this society of not enough, saying that you are not enough. If you would just have this, if you would just buy that, if you would just live in this community, if you would just drive that car, if you would just achieve this promotion, if you would just whatever it might be, 20% more, we're all 20% away from having enough or being enough. But we are told time and time and time and time again that we are not enough. Whole industries are built on this idea that we are not enough. I heard a statistic the other day that said um, if, if the female population of North America stopped buying beauty products that answered this message of you're not enough or you're not beautiful enough or whatever, if they stopped buying beauty products for one week, it would have a catastrophic impact on the entire global market. The whole industry built on the message of you're not enough or you're not beautiful enough and so you need this product or you need to look this way or you need to be this, whatever it might be. And we're all 20% away from being enough. And so we shrink. And we put our walls up around ourselves. And we compete. 
and we start to consume and we start to grab hold of and we start to hold on to and we start to protect and build these walls around us and, and bunker down and we hide and so we act and pretend to be something that we really don't believe we are and we try to fill this gap all the time we're trying to fill this gap this 20% so we can be enough and so we consume and we consume and we consume and if we could just have that house you know that maybe our, our apartment isn't enough so we could just have a, a house and so we buy a house but it's a terrace house we kind of go oh well no with a nice garden that'd be nice and oh but now we've got neighbors on both sides what if we had a semi-detached house that'd be lovely and we can we develop to a semi-detached house because we're just then we'd be really happy but then you get semi-detached and you go well actually detached would be nice and a bit more room for the kids and uh, so then we and we get a bigger house and maybe another bedroom or another living room and so we get some more and now we've got our detached house but we go oh but it doesn't feel like it's in the right neighborhood so then we need to buy to move to another neighborhood and then we need some more and then we need a bit more land and then we need land for our horses or our ponies or we need whatever and then we need more and then we need and then until we can't even see our neighbors and we just need more and we need more and we need more to be safer or to feel safe enough to build our identity or to build our purpose. We need that next promotion and the next promotion or we need the next pay rise and the next pay rise. And just whatever it might be, we want to fill that gap, that not enough. And we consume and we consume and we consume and we are taught to be consumers. The world teaches us to be consumers. You might be like, Adam, what's this got to do with love? And the answer is because love is, as we read in 1 Corinthians 13, love is about giving. Love doesn't seek its own needs. It isn't selfish. It doesn't crave after things. Love gives And the truth is we're created to be givers. We're taught to be consumers. We learn to be consumers, but we're created to be givers. But how? How do we do this? In the Ten Commandments, uh, Exodus 20, we see the Ten Commandments, the Um, Israelites have been in captivity for 400 years and they're brought out and God wants to teach them how to live in society together, how to be a community that reveals to the world something of what God is like. And he gives them all these commands about loving God and God being first and God being the source of all things. And then, and then don't um, make any idols, um, which we kind of go, oh no, we got that one covered. But actually what it says is don't put yourself, don't make idols of God of what other things that you might look like God because you are created to be the image of the invisible God. So don't put other things in that place when you're supposed to be the image. So the world is supposed to be able to look at you and see something of what God is like. And so then don't take on the character of God or the nature of God or say you're a follower of God or you say you're a Christian, but then live in opposition to what God is like. And we see these commands being built about going, look, God is your source of everything. So then you be the image of God to all creation and live in harmony with God's nature and live that out. So therefore, 
Find a rhythm, honour the Sabbath and find this rhythm in your life that is breathing in and breathing out, that is in communion, is in harmony with God. And then don't kill because that's destructive to life and you're supposed to be bringing life. And don't steal because that's, that's destroying and, and taking from things when you're supposed to be producing and giving things. And honour your parents because you're part of this bigger story. And, and it goes through or don't lie because truth matters and living in harmony with the truth matters and so it gives goes through all these commands and then it ends on the tenth command that says do not cover your neighbor's house your neighbor's wife or his male or female servants or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor we might kind of go adam that just feels a bit antiquated i'm not quite sure what your point is but the point of this command is be content be content with who you are be content with who you're created to be and who you're called to be. Don't spend your life looking at other people going, oh yeah, but if I had what they had, well then this would be easy. If I had their job, then I could do that. Or if I had their opportunities in life, or if I lived where they lived, or if I drove the car that they drive, or if I, if, if I was married to that person, or if my kids were as whatever as their kids are, or whatever it might be, whatever our, competi- our competition might look like, it just breeds discontent. And right at the heart of these commands is this message that being content is one of the ways in which we seems to be core and crucial to how we reflect God, to how we live. Be content in who you are and who you're created to be. Paul picks this message up in Philippians and he says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And Paul seems to indicate that the, the key to contentment is that we can do this through God. We can do this through Christ. We can do this through understanding who we are. Because if we understand that we're children of God, if we understand who we're created to be, then we can learn to be content. Rachel often talks about this phrase that she loves, which says, if you fully understood who God wanted you to be or who God created you to be, you wouldn't want to be anybody else. Which is profound. Because it undermines this entire industry that is around us telling us that we're not enough. Right at the heart of this message is that we are children of God. God created us to be his children. God created us as enough. God created us with beauty and creativity and intelligence and all the things, all the blessings that we have. But sometimes we disagree with God about who we are. In fact, a lot of the time we disagree with God about who we are. And we see this message in the prodigal, in the story of the prodigal son. You might remember this story. His father and he has two sons and his father's very wealthy. And one of his sons says to him one day, Dad, I want, half, I want my inheritance. I want half of everything you have. I want my inheritance. I'm going to go. I'm going to make my own way. 
Maybe he thought his dad was crushing his style a little bit. Maybe he thought his dad was a bit mean. Maybe he wanted to prove that he could do it on his own without his dad. Whatever, whatever his thing was, but there was, there was a not enough stirring within him. And he was like, give me, give me my bit now. I'm not, I'm not going to wait for you to die because you're taking too long about that, dad. I want my money now. And he takes his half and he runs off and he tries to buy friendships with it and he tries to buy popularity with it and he tries to buy success with it and he tries to buy everything. He tries to fill his 20% and he fails and he fails and he fails and he has nothing. Until he says, do you know what? Here I am eating pig feed as I'm feeding these pigs. I am worthless. I've got nothing. The servants who work for my dad are better off than me. I'm going to go home and I'm going to be a servant for my dad so he goes home but we see this beautiful picture in the story of his dad waiting for him at the gate and his dad sees him coming over the horizon and he runs to him and the son all the way home has been rehearsing his speech of dad I'm so sorry I messed everything up I've lost everything but you know the servants are better off than I am and I just I don't expect anything of you I just want to be a servant I just you know can I do this for you and his dad just cuts off his speech his prepared speech he goes no you're my son and I love you you are welcome. And he throws a robe on him and he puts shoes on his feet. And he says, go and kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party because my son is home. You see, the son thought he wasn't good enough. His son thought he'd already taken what his dad owed him so his dad wouldn't, wouldn't give him anything else. His son thought that he had to prove himself and he was, what he had was what he was worth. His son thought he wasn't enough. And he'd bought into this whole mentality and his father's message to him straight away was, no, 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 you are my son and I love you. You are more than enough. And throws a party. But there's another son here, isn't there? Suddenly often forget. And it's the brother. He's done everything right. He hasn't run off with the money. He's stayed home and he's worked the fields and he's, and he's been good and he's obeyed all the rules and he's done everything right. And he hears this party going on. He says to one of the farmhands, he goes, so what's going on? He goes, oh, your brother arrived home. There's a party and he is raging because now his not enough has kicked in. He's like, oh, wait a minute. He's not coming back heaven anymore. He's had his bit. All this is mine now. He's had his stuff. No, 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 no. He doesn't get to come back because I need it all. I'm not here to be delighted by my brother being back. No, no, this isn't right. This isn't fair. And he refuses to go in the party. And his father comes out and his son says to him, oh, no, because I've done everything right. I've followed all the rules. And you've never thrown me a party. You've never given me anything. I've earned, I'm fighting and fighting and fighting to earn your respect and to earn your acknowledgement and to earn your praise. And Because he's living in this not enough. Even though he's doing everything right, even though he's staying at home, he's living in this not enough. And his father says to him, oh, you don't understand at all, do you? It's all yours. All of it. It's all yours. You're my son. You don't have to ask for anything. It's all yours. You see, both sons had a distorted view of who they were. They had a distorted narrative that they weren't enough somehow. And the father says to both of them, No, 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 you're my child. And I love you. And it's all yours and this is a lesson for us because we come to God and God is saying no no you don't have to earn it you don't have to live in this not enough and this not clever enough and bright enough or beautiful enough or rich enough or powerful enough or successful enough or whatever else it may be he goes no you don't have to buy into any of that you're my child you're my son you're my daughter we are loved 
by God. We are known by God. We are blessed by God. We are enough because God calls us so. And the more we are able to live in that, the more we are able to understand that, the more we are able to live free in a life of contentment. You see, we can do, as Paul says, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us or resources us. You see, we, we, look to, we look to the world, we look to money and we look to success and we look to all these things to try and build our own identity or our own sense of purpose or our own sense of status or our own security. Or we look for all these things and because we feel that shaking in us, that I'm not really sure what my identity is, I'm not really sure where my security is, I'm not really sure where my hope comes from, I'm not really sure where my status is, then we go chasing it and chasing it and chasing it. We need the bigger house and the bigger house and the bigger house, or the next pay rise, or the next pay rise, the next pay rise, or the career move, or the, or the next relationship, or whatever it might be that we go chasing to fill that gap of 20%. But if we can understand that God is our source, he is the source of our hope, he is the source of our security, he is the source of our identity, he is the source of our status because we are children of God. If we understand that, well then we're free to give. If we understand that, we're free to live. From a place of contentment, from a place of being known, from a place of being loved, from a place of being enough. Now I don't need to accumulate. Now I can give. You see, we're created. We're not created to be cups. Often I hear people talking about, oh, well, we need to be blessed and we're blessed and we're blessed and then we overflow. But that kind of makes us receptacles, which is still kind of egocentric a little bit. We're created to be pipes, not cups. We're created to be conduits of God's blessing. So we are blessed, but so we bless. We are loved, and so we love. We are created to be conduits of God's blessing. And the way you keep a pipe full, if you want to keep your hose pipe full, you keep it connected to the tap, right? And you keep the tap turned on. And if we are connected to God... And his blessings flow, his identity, his love, his hope, his purpose, his truth, his beauty. If it's flowing through us, then it flows through us and blesses the world around us. And we are able to live from a place of contentment. And so we can live expansively. We can give generously. We can hope courageously. And we can learn to love wholeheartedly from a place of contentment, from a place of being enough. We can learn to be people who love wholeheartedly. As musicians come up, why don't we pray? Why don't we just reflect on that for a few moments? Lord, we thank you that you are the God who loves us, that you are the God who is love. 
and you teach us to love and you enable us to love and you pour your love into us. We thank you that you are the God who inspires us. You are the God who is with us and never leaves us. You are the God who, through whom we can do all things. Lord, teach us to be content. Teach us to live in the enough that you speak over us. Teach us to love courageously. To live courageously. Teach us to give generously. To pour our lives out. To be the conduit of your blessing into our community. Teach us even in this time of isolation, separation, disconnection, teach us to be people who know what it is to, to love wholeheartedly from a place of being enough. Amen.